If there was a takeaway, I would say this has been the year that I would say the story has been how cancer saved my life. I thought I had the testimony of if I said, well, why did God allow this to happen again? You know, going into the surgery to remove a portion of the liver this time, you know, I, I could have said, well, he really got my attention this time. You know, things that I had still having a hard time surrendering control over or just mm-hmm. fell back into, he really got my attention. You know, and there's, there's a, a handful of things that, yeah, even if it was just for these five or six things, I would have said, well worth it. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. In today's episode, we talk with Paul Reeves, worship director at the Church of the Apostles. Paul is a singer, songwriter, producer, and a cancer survivor. Together, we talk about his story his two-time battle with the disease, how the Lord has grown him in this struggle, and the newest Apostles worship song he's written through his trial. Paul's testimony of the grace of God has encouraged me, and I pray it will do the same for you today. Paul Reeves, we've talked about doing this for a while, and it's such a pleasure and an honor to have you on Candid Conversations. It is an honor to be with you. Paul, I wonder if you could... Tell us a little bit of your music history. Tell us about some of the things that you've done in that specific sphere. Well, I got into music primarily as a stress relief in college. I wanted to be a pro basketball player all my life. Right. Sold my Nintendo in fifth grade to focus more on basketball. Wow. Dedicated. So um, fairly obsessed. Um, My dad played guitar. He's played ever since college, and he's been in music his whole adult life too. So I was always around it, but I was always too one track focused on basketball. And then when that was starting to show signs of uh, decline in college, (laughs) um, basically started playing guitars, a stress relief. And um, shortly after that, the guy at the BSU, which was the main campus ministry at Armstrong, where I went to school in Savannah, um, he had just left. So they needed somebody to fill in for that. So that gave me a chance to, wow. you know, to, to learn a few songs. I remember my, my best friend just being in the front row and he would just laugh at me as I would make mistake after oh, mistake. So, but, yeah. uh, so I started playing at like Young Life uh, clubs and youth groups and <laughs> quite the assortment of venues and, and coffee shops. <laughs> yeah. All these really, yeah. Huge places. Um, and right after college, there was a, a plant church that needed someone. And so, yeah, God just kept giving me opportunities to do that. And, uh, started writing songs just as, you know, just out of, um, I think for most songwriters, there's, there's a certain therapeutic aspect and just a, it's just a joyful, tool of your voice. And so I was just doing it for just the sheer joy of it. Mm-hmm. And um, God's given me opportunities to serve with music in a lot of different ways, from songwriting to leading worship to helping others in their songwriting and recording yeah. as well. Yeah, Paint us a little picture of your faith background growing up. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Grew up in a Christian home? Yes, to say the least. So my, my grandfather, he was the Bishop of Georgia in the 80s. Um, in the Episcopal Church, right. and so grew up going to a very traditional 
High Church in Savannah. And August 16th, 1996 was the day that I, I gave everything to Christ, but definitely took my faith seriously before then. But there's been, you know, certain seasons where God has used um, some event or a serious time of suffering to warp zone, you know, yeah. to, to yeah. A, another level of intentionality and um, drawing me closer. I remember running for president in eighth grade at school and, you know, proclaiming my faith and kids threatened to beat me up. And so that was, that was before the day I said I gave my life to Christ. So it's been in stages that God has just continued to draw me closer and closer. Mm-hmm. I wish I could say it's just been a, an ascending uh, line the entire right. time. Yeah, there's been definitely, line, yeah. there's, I've definitely taken some spills along the way, yeah. but by his grace, um, he has continued to draw me closer to yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, what was it like growing up in a high church sort of hmm. Episcopalian background? Although I am similar, but. I definitely had a couple of the priests that were very intentional about my spiritual formation. Hmm. So I did some like one-on-one work with them throughout high school and they would really pour into me. Hmm. My grandfather and then and then all the priests in, in that church were very academic. I never felt like I was able to keep up on that route. And, and I think they definitely were serious about my formation. But just thinking about how that affected me. Um, I was very well loved, though. And then probably through young life, I got more of a taste of the non-denominational, more of the modern music. Um more on the side of the experience versus, you know, like how knowledge and experience go hand in hand. Um, probably more of the experience side from those avenues. Yeah. And to this day, I've, I mean, I, I have such a value for how I was brought up. You have battled cancer in two separate instances. First, talk us through a little bit the first episode that you had, the first um, sort of diagnosis that came your way, what was sort of your response to that mm-hmm. as a young man, as a, a husband and a father? What, mm-hmm. How did you sort of navigate that difficult sort of diagnosis and terrain in the first go? So I was 34 and we had just moved back to Atlanta. Um, it was the first time in my adult life that I didn't have a full-time ministry position. Um, through Kevin Knox here at the church, he was kind enough to offer me some behind the scenes work uh, where I was basically changing batteries and, and people's in-ears packs and, and, and running sound at the, the chapel service, which I was most grateful for, but it would not have been considered like a step up from where I had been. Um, it was a very uncertain time. And five months into that move, I didn't know didn't know a lot of people up here. Um, was getting adjusted to a new community. Everything was already up in the air, and and then I had actually a colonoscopy on Christmas Eve, which mm. let me know that mm. something was wrong. Now, backing up just a little bit, the way that I found out about it is 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 important. When we moved up here, since I didn't have a full-time church position, I thought that maybe God was using this time as a way that I could just pour into various musicians, uh, maybe through the studio environment. 
And so I was doing a lot of production work. So I was sanding the floors in the basement and I just totally overdid it. I was using these hand grinders and these things, a lot of vibration. And my hands went numb for a full month. And so I couldn't play, you know, guitar chords. And it just, so I, I was finally forced to go to the doctor because I was like, I got to figure out what's going on with my hands. Mm. And so while I was in there, the nurse said, um, well, while you're here, is there anything else that you'd like to, you know, let us know about? And I said, well, it's probably nothing much, but I let them know about some of the um, symptoms that I had that then led them to send me to a gastro doctor. Right. And so I went and then they, from the gastro doctor sent me to, you know, get a colonoscopy. And I remember on Christmas day, basically right after I'd figured out that something was wrong. I didn't get the official results back until a few days later, but mm-hmm. the nurse who had, who was attending to me during the colonoscopy was crying when I came out of it. So it was, we knew that it was not good. Yeah. Um, and so I was folding clothes on Christmas morning and all of a sudden, like just a goo of peace, just from my head, it just, it went all the way down to my toes. I feel like God said, if I crippled you to get your attention, because I'd been putting off these symptoms for at least nine months, maybe a year, mm. and I would have kept trucking because I felt fine. I was already at stage three cancer, God. and I could have gone even further because yeah. I did not feel bad. I was still exercising, and but I felt like God said, if I went to the extent of getting your attention, it wasn't just to say, hey, I just want you to know you're about to die. Um, I felt like he was saying, I got your attention because we're going to do something about it. Mm. And so I didn't know how the story was going to end, but I did have a peace that it was going to be okay and that God was using it. Now, it's so amazing how weak <laughs> we are yeah. in our flesh and how quickly we can forget. <laughs> how quickly? It, I mean, you can have some radical experience at a retreat or in any setting or through cancer. And then not long after it go, just where did that season go? You know? And so I found out for the second round one year ago, um, I was going in for just routine, what I considered routine blood work, almost like a waste of time. It's of course it's going to be okay again. Of course it's going to be okay again. And then I found out that they said, uh, well, it looks like something may have returned. And so this time has definitely got my attention even more so. So that got your attention, the first diagnosis of cancer. What changed in your life from that point until right up until October of 2019? I think all of us have this feeling that one day we're going to have to approach some some hard questions. But it's more of maybe like when we're (laughs) nearing our deathbed. Right. And we just assume that that's going to be way in 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 the future. It definitely forced maybe some half answered questions. And I don't assume to have the answers to all of the questions that have been in my heart, Mm -hmm. but it forced me to be very serious, to have some adult answers to a lot of our, some of our childhood questions, you know, and it's, there's just, there's something that we can say like, Oh, I know it's going to be fine when I die, but there's something about taking a season to meditate on death. Mm that allows such a peace. Um, you know, a lot of this has come in the form of practicing a lot of stillness and solitude because in, in certain ways 
there in that silence when you are alone with God and you're just listening to God. In some ways, it does mimic what you would expect of death in this kind of I'm alone with God, (laughs) you know, and leaving things behind. But I think going through a season like that is what really does. I mean, it's, it, it just sounds so cliche to say it puts things in perspective, but right. there's nothing that yeah. runs that exercise. Like, yeah. what would I do if I had two years left to live? Unless you have like a life threatening disease. And yeah. then you go, well, this is what I would do. I'm doing exactly what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it definitely forced me to change my, um, priorities, hmm. um, to say the least, but it just, there is nothing that draws you closer to God like suffering. And it's like he uses it, I think, to, to break it down. It's such a practical, I'm not in control. Hmm. And it, you could see this on any any form of suffering. You could think about it even like a headache. I'm in pain. I remember the time of non-pain. I want to get to that non-pain, but I can't. Hmm. I don't have the control to get myself to that non-pain. Yeah, of course you can take some ibuprofen and and that'll help, but you're out of control. And especially on something where you go, I can't just do something and fix this. It's such a valuable valuable tool that God uses where he goes, you're not in control (laughs) and it's just clear. And so that forces you to go, you're going to have to learn how to be okay with not being in control. And so, And yeah, you're, you're going to have to be okay with the fact that you're not God (laughs) and you're going to have to realize you're dependent upon him. And so you're going to have to, um, (laughs) you're going to (laughs) surrender and you may get broken in the process, but he's going to have your way. And so in that way you go, yes, I can say God works all things for the good of those who love him because it's like, it's not just some, it almost sometimes feels like a cliche verse that someone just throws out flippantly to to just, you know, but you go, no, I can tell you exactly why he does that too. And, and because I look at where I was trick or treating last year, (laughs) you know, um, and where I am now and it's blowing away life last year where it was. And so many of the petty fears that we have, Mm. so much of the concerns of the ego or like the, how do I look? Am I measuring up? Have I achieved enough? Have I, you know, have I, Oh, I haven't written these songs that all all these other people are singing, or I haven't, I'm not known by this. You just, you just don't care. And it just, it's, it's such a gift that God uses just to that part just gets really quickly taken care of, mm. at least in those moments. And I think then the trick is to continue to surrender and to continue to, yeah. um, which for me, being in spending daily time in silence and solitude with God is the closest thing that I can mimic to that. Just being at peace and just listening and to God and being with him. Mm. That's what for me has sustained yeah. that trajectory. Mm. Um, but there's nothing like suffering. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so in weakness, his strength is made perfect right? and you end up being the beneficiary of that. Yeah. Right. But, but there's that hurdle you have to get over, which is admitting and recognizing weakness yeah. and, and handing those things yeah. over handing the control that we're so desperate to hold on to. <laughs> yeah. So, so this, so the second time, you're already in, I'm assuming an already different mindset. So what, what's sort of the, what's sort of the takeaway from a second diagnosis, which came about a year ago, 
thereabouts from, from right about now? Yeah. The way I've just, I've described it is, you know how like sometimes when you're cracking an egg, every so often you don't crack it hard enough <laughs> and you have to crack it again to actually get the yolk out. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. I think the egg was definitely cracked <laughs> the first time. Right. It was, it was enough to crack it. So I was not the same egg, <laughs> but this was the one that was <laughs> sort breaking, of like, huh? no, for real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there was a takeaway, I would say, this has been the year that I would say the story has been how cancer saved my life. Hmm. And this is how I would say, so, um, and I, I, we'll get to the song probably in a little bit. Yeah. And, and that's just kind of captures a little snapshot along the way. But I thought I had the testimony of, if I said, well, why did God allow this to happen again? You know, going into the surgery to remove a portion of the liver this time, you know, I, I could have said, well, he really got my attention this time. You know, the things that I had still having a hard time surrendering control over or just mm. fell back into, he really got my attention, you know, and there was, there was mm. a, a handful of things that, yeah, even if it was just for these five or six things, I would have said, well worth it. This, you know, this is great. Well, I you go in to get the surgery. I come out. The day I'm released is the day that they announced the schools are closed for COVID. So I come out on narcotics already in like, you know, pain in a dreamlike state, you know, from the narcotics. And I come back into this world where everyone's like, the world is ending, you know? So it's like double dream. Because <laughs> I felt like, you know, I've gone through cancer. Everybody yeah. Now yeah. everybody else is getting a dose of fear. But I've, I'm resilient to this. And so it was like another grenade was thrown on the soil of my soul. What are you doing, Lord? And so <laughs> anything else that was beneath the surface was like, here we go. We're about to deal with those things now, which plenty of people have, were of forced to deal with that. It's like, it's not like COVID has any fear. It just reveals the fear that was already inside you. Mm. It's like life presents us with people or circumstances that reveal to us where we're not currently free. <laughs> Yet another opportunity for growth. <laughs> and yeah. so it was like, okay, new curriculum. <laughs> And so through the summertime, God revealed all these other things that had not been addressed. And so then come this fall, when I'm just about to get come back into action and leading worship and coming back into the office, I had this on my heart to perform some exercises with the team for just overall um, emotional and spiritual health. Um, just to take a look under the hood. How can yeah. we get healthier? Um, while well, I was talking to TJ here and saying... Well, you know, if we're going to do this health experiment, you know, it did bring to my attention that Katie and I have been married for 15 years. Mm -hmm. I would say we have a, a good marriage, but we've never been through like any kind of counseling. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything's like necessarily wrong, right? but right. I'm sure we could benefit from some help with communication, maybe some things that we need to process. So he recommends this book as a supplementary resource. And it has a, a little test that you can take, you know, and it shows your attachment type. As mm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm perusing over the five different options and, and I look at one and I go, I don't know what that is, but that one sounds repulsive. And so, of course, oh, that one, I almost perfect score it. <laughs> 14 out of 15 questions, almost just nail it. Worst fear. And so I go, oh, well, we should maybe take a look and see what that's all about. So I start looking through 
this attachment type and is saying, well, these kids were, had probably, you know, grew up in these types of environments and they probably went through this. And so then it plays out like this later on in life. Well, I just thought when you became a Christian, you could just say, Jesus, everything from the present moment behind, I'm going to just shut this in a door and just say, you just do a heal on. (laughs) You take care of all that. And I'm just going to sprint in the direction toward, you know, just further goodness. But you take care of all that. He obviously wanted to deal with some of those things. Mm. And I didn't realize how my entire life and definitely my entire ministry career, how I'd been operating with a crippled spirit in Mm. so many ways. Mm just low self-worth things from uh, just lack of security, probably growing up, how that manifests itself in just fearful tendencies. Oh, there was just so many things that I did. There was so much untapped life and freedom that I had no idea existed. Mm -hmm. And so God used this, to till the soil Mm. and then till the soil deeper and deeper. And some of these were some, I think like found some boulders that were standing in the way of the roots of spiritual formation, getting to spread further. And so as, as everyone listening to this already knows, I'm sure that things were revealed during this last season of suffering um, that they never would have addressed had the pandemic not happened. Mm. And yeah, the pandemic didn't have fear, didn't have any of these childhood issues attached to it. It just reveals <laughs> things that you've been carrying there, along. Yeah. And and so in that way, too, I could see it, it all being grace. So um, yeah, in many ways, I would say this has been the season of, of seeing how God used the cancer to say, the cancer was the, the voice loud enough saying, no, there's something even scarier underneath me <laughs> that's crippling you. Like, it's like yeah. saying, like, don't fear what can kill the body. Yeah. <laughs> that's what was going on. Um, and so I don't wish the cancer on anybody. I right. wish them the grace of it. Yeah, It's mm. just been uh, a very liberating time, um, but through <laughs> some pressure cooking. <laughs> That's wonderful, though, because you're right. I mean, it's the way God deals with us is he deals with us wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And he's making us holy, H-O-L-Y, right? So there's an otherness, right? There's this uniqueness that sets us apart as his children. But he still wants to deal with the entire being of the person, right? Our past, our present, and then shows us the future that we can have and the ways that we can glorify him in that future by the way that he's sensitively dealing with those issues, which is who else, right? Who else could do that? Look at the birds as they feed, don't worry. Look at the lilies, they're so nicely clothed. See how the deer by the stream don't hurry See I have every single thing under control Behold I am with you for all of your days 
know your mind and body and soul are under great weight. So come to me and I'll give you peace and you'll find the things that you've been seeking all along. The Shepherd's Song, available now on all streaming platforms by Apostles Worship. Well, Paul, tell us about The Shepherd's Song. What prompted your writing of this song, and, and how did it come to life? That song was written during that first week out of the hospital. So it was just in the midst of <laughs> too much. Wow. <laughs> Everything was just too much. And so um, I didn't write it all in 15 minutes. It was just, uh, and a lot of it's just scripture. Uh, I can't really take credit for a lot of it. <laughs> um, but it's like each verse has like something I was really struggling with at that time. And so I would be really fearful about maybe God providing for me. And so I'd go down and be like, all right, we're going to dive into the darkness, God, and you're going to be my guide. And um, we're going to face this head on. And what do you want to show me? And so um, he would just pull up a scripture. And so just like the look at the birds as they feed, don't worry. That was just, you know, that was probably one afternoon of just meditating on that scripture and God revealing, you know, himself in a, mm. a deeper way to something, a, a verse that we all find very, you know, probably many people, it's very familiar sure. to them. And then in another time, the second verse where I am within you at all times speaking, I don't know how, how anybody could do it without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So another way that God keeps me close <laughs> through more maintenance, um, he, he, he allows cancer to, <laughs> to be these big occurrences. But I've struggled with OCD my entire life. Right. And just in so many ways, just the voice of the Holy Spirit and just relying on the voice of truth versus these, this constant kind of attack of lies that'll, that will come up in my mind of mm. saying, I need to worry about this or that mm. being able to know that, well, if God felt like this was important for me to worry about, he would let me know because he will guide my every step. He's within me. And I just said, it's like, you do like almost like a formula. Okay. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will leave my spirit within you. Uh, he also says that the sheep know his voice. Mm. Okay. And then also, if you, you seek, you will find. And so in these moments of uncertainty, I just reverse engineer it and go, okay, I'm choosing to believe that God's spirit is within me, mm. that I have constant access to it. Mm. If I seek, I will find, and I will hear his voice because I'm a sheep, mm. <laughs> you know? Mm. And so there's just so many times that, we're just, I mean, that's, I feel like that's how God speaks mm, <laughs> to me in mm, mm. that way. Uh, so that was verse two. And then just about in fast and feasting, just, just how, we, you know, like how we just talked about how God uses these times of, of famine as ways to just in his infinite grace to draw us closer to him. 
it's like if there's 400 billion galaxies, to think that we really know, like we really know what God's like, is such a um, like to think that we have Him pinned. Yeah, yeah that's maybe a God I don't want to worship if I if I know Him so. Yeah fully and thoroughly that I can predict everything he'll do and how he does it and why he does it. Right. I mean, you know how like he's revealed himself to you in times where it's like, I feel like just a blip, just it's like scares the living daylights out of us almost of just like going, Oh my goodness. Like, could that even have been a glimpse of God? It's like, um, he's just so gentle with how he reveals himself to us. Let me ask you this. If you were told before you got your diagnosis, hey, God is going to do some things in your life and he's going to till some really deep soil, would you have put your hand up and said, I'm all for it. Let's bring it. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I guess I I'm getting I, I'm getting at sort of, you know, w- w- what would you say to the person who, as you've said already, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, whether it's COVID or whatever, the fears that were always there have now just presented themselves. So yeah. that's now becoming apparent to them, but we are excellent at yeah. Yeah. burying <laughs> and shoving and hiding from the things that the, yeah. the spirit is often trying to bring to our attention and saying, I need you to see this so we can yeah. work through this because it's going to continue to be either a stronghold or a distraction or something for you yeah. as I'm calling you to holiness. So what, what would you say to the person, hey, you know, it's, it's worth it or how you would phrase that? Yeah, and I, that's been what I've been trying to figure out because, of course, I'm trying to – I'd like to serve the medicine that I've been served, you know, so to speak. Um, but I was talking to a guy who provides spiritual direction for me, and he was saying, well, do you think that someone can get this without, you know, going through cancer? And – you know, because me being always, uh, I realize that I, you know, want to be a helper. And one of the, the most freeing things through this too has just been, uh, like the new phrase that I have, to, I just say over and over is, I can't do anything to help anybody in your own strength. It's it is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it is by God's grace and power alone that anybody can change. And so, um which it's really liberating. It takes the, the weight off of you in, in our, uh, <laughs> even in our, who are we kidding nature? We think that we're the helper. Right. You know, it's like, it's not like we can force God's hand. Um, it's not like we can say, all right, God, you're going to, if I do this, you're going to change me like that. But like anything, it's like we show up and we read God's word. We spend time with him. It's like, we know that there are certain things that enhance our relationship. Mm. And so I think there is something especially in our busy culture, you know, just noise is another thing that numbing factor, like, you know, like alcohol or whatever, you know, that we, we choose to like anything that we can use to numb ourselves. not to say that some of these things are bad, but you know, if we can use them, if we're, if we're using them to numb something else, then, you know, it's like something needs to be addressed. Well, those things need to be addressed. And there's something about the sobering nature of silence and solitude. I think that puts us right there where God can speak to us. Um, it's by his grace and his, his action within us, you know, alone that does it. But, um, yeah, it's not like you're going to try to go out and get sick so you can go through some time of suffering. Um, but you can try to do whatever, you know, 
by uh, means of grace, whatever means of grace mm-hmm. possible mm-hmm. to to be intentional about that. He does meet you. If you seek, you will find. Yeah. Um, so I, he has given us that promise. But the benefits have far outweighed the cost for you. Yeah, the you know the physical suffering of you know the chemotherapy, you know the shock factor, mm-hmm. just the scariness of it. To now, how he's he's used it to get to the core of my being and set me free in things that I've been carrying my entire life. I mean, when someone said, "What did COVID bring up to you?" Like, if you were like, "What what was like a word?" You say COVID, what would be the word? The word that came to my mind was regret. And it was because, not because I hadn't achieved something, but there were certain things that just, I just would look at me and with like my life and my family. And there was a certain freedom that it would have been such a shame to go to the grave with some of this untapped freedom. The amount of joy in life in our family now, like the playfulness and fun that I have with Katie, my wife now, how we laugh more, you know, just like the, we've never had this much fun. Mm -hmm. The closeness that I have with my kids, it's like, there's, I wouldn't trade this for anything. It's like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. Rejuvenating. Yeah. Yeah. So what's something you want people to walk away with having heard from your heart? The shepherd's song, obviously it's scripture based. Yeah, But what's sort of the overall draw that you want uh, people to walk away with? I hope it's just a, a few moments of rest. Um, it's scripture. It's obviously not me talking because in the verses, it's, it's from God's perspective. It's saying, I am within you at all times speaking. I pray that they'll be able to receive these words that God's spoken in his, in his word. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, there's something about music that it's it's crazy how the vehicle of music, how it accesses a part of your soul that the spoken word doesn't do for whatever reason. However, he set it into the laws of nature. It's just mm. music has some way of unlocking another dimension that he then can deliver a message mm. and it just it gets received in another way. And so, and many times he may say something that has nothing to do with the song, (laughs) but hopefully the song will open people up to receive whatever he wants to say. Cause the things that I was going through are much different than what you're going through. But, but I pray that whatever the the circumstance that, uh, you know, it reveals where you're not currently free. the, The good news is, Whatever that is, when it gets brought into the light, that darkness can't exist. And I just know that the light of Christ will shine on it. So just I pray that people will have the faith to just open up and just let God speak to them and um, and just experience that, that freedom. Well, the song is The Shepherd's Song. Paul Reeves, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk with us. Thanks for having me. Look at the birds as they feed, don't worry. Look at the lilies, they're so nicely clothed See how the deer by the stream don't hurry See I have every single thing under control Behold I am with you for all of your days 
I know your mind and body and soul are under great weight. So come to me and I'll give you peace and you'll find the themes that you've been seeking all along. a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It helps people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.